Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Super Coach Mates. Um, it's Thursday night, which means it's our Q and A podcast, and I've got both the both the guys here. Um, so we're just going to run through some questions that have been sent in, um, and we'll try our best to answer them. Um, I should just make a note that um, the slides are going to say Greg Clark, um, who at the time of writing this, uh, the slides was still named for West Coast, and then he's been ruled out about three hours after we wrote them. So um, a lot of the questions we have are about Greg Clark, but um, we're just going to get stuck into it and try our best anyway. Um, so um, first of all, do you guys think that Greg Clark, I'm just going to throw this to both of you just real quick. Do you think Greg Clark is an option that we can look at? Um, once he's back for West Coast, because I, I don't think he's going to get dropped based off his game last week. He's only he's only out because of health and safety reasons. Um, Jonas, I might get you to answer first. Yeah, I, I brought him in last week, and he certainly didn't didn't disappoint. He was someone that we probably all had looked at in the preseason. He won, I think, the best player in the league of the S and AFL. Whatever else. The sample. Sample, yep. Um, and he showed against Richmond that he certainly has the capabilities of being a good rookie, especially one you could almost feel, to be honest. He had, like, I think 10 touches in the last quarter, and I think every tackle bar one that he um, attempted, he was able to land. So that's another good sign that he's, like... A bigger, more mature sort of body who can go around there and stick tackles. So I think he has no problem being able to keep a spot at West Coast. The only thing that's holding him back is basically COVID. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's from someone who had Greg Clark last week. What about us, Thomas? Because I don't think you've got Greg Clark yet and I don't have him. Um, can we bring him in this week even though he's not playing or do you think that there's better options to bring in this week as a rookie even someone who's playing like McComb or someone like that um I probably wouldn't bring in Clark this week because if he was playing this week then obviously probably would bring him in um probably not this week now that he's not playing because you know he misses this week and then Obviously, that means he's got another game to play before his price rise, and there's a lot of things that can happen within within two weeks. Um, so I'd say it's a bit of a waste. At least now you've got a bit of a blessing in the fact that um, you can may as well pick up a guy like McComb this week, who apparently looked pretty good on the weekend against Essendon and looks to have, you know, looked a bit like the McNeils and Scotts of last year, who put some solid performances together, um, and he's a mature age player and then because Greg Clark misses this week he's obviously not going to doesn't count in his price cycle and then he plays next week and you've got another opportunity to look at him and you've got the likes of Jack Carroll um who if he has another good game which which seems likely at this point if Hewitt's not named Hewitt's not named so probably plays a midfielder again um you got an opportunity to, to pick him up instead and then get Greg Clark the week after, which seems the most logical option. Um, but, yeah, I would say definitely don't get him this week. Um, 
even if you if even if you have the situation of um, needing a loophole or something, I still wouldn't get him purely because of loophole purposes. Because as I said, there's a lot of things that can happen within within two weeks. You just don't know with COVID and, and whether it means that he misses another week because he's you know not the close contact and then gets it or something like that. But yeah, I wouldn't risk it just on what we've seen so far. Yep, I think that's fair. Um, so trading, so tr- would you guys trade Will Brody? So I'm going to throw this one to you, Jones, because you've got Will Will Brody, and I know you don't, Thomas. Um, so would you consider trading Will Brody to Luke Parker, and is this safe to do? Uh, no, I wouldn't, because he's going up against North Melbourne this week, and I think it was just a tough game for Frio mids in general. Brayshaw scored a 77 as well. So I think that shows in itself that it probably wasn't just purely because Brody had a poor game, but because the game wasn't suited for Supercoach scoring for these types of players. So he's one I want to have another look at. And I think you can forgive him for what's been a pretty mediocre performance, given the fact that he's scored over 100 and in the 90s countless times. So against North Melbourne, I expect a far better outing. Yeah, and in terms just... of Parker, oh, no. sorry about that. In terms of Luke Parker, I would be trying to get him in, but I wouldn't be using Brody as an avenue because they could almost pretty much score somewhat similar in a sense, given Parker's volatility and Brody's uh, price scoring so far this year. Yeah, um, and I guess with Parker, I think the question the question is is whether or not he can maintain his um, midfield spot. Um, just just uh, one more point here, Jonas. Um, how long do you plan on keeping Brody for? Until he starts to show signs of decline, whether that be when Five comes back in the team or earlier. Um, I think that's just a wait and see. But it's just gonna. It's pretty team dependent. If I think there's someone else that I'm fielding who is going to be scoring lower than Brody, I'll probably look to prioritise trading them out. But if, say, um, I've got a pretty much full team and Brody's scoring in the 80s, then that's when I'd look to trade him out. But at the moment, he's shown enough and he's got the role still to um, <clears throat> warrant keeping for now. Yeah, he's definitely been one of the recruits of the year um, so far with Brody. Um, I'm just going to go to you for this one, Thomas. Um, so can Luke Parker keep his full-time midfield spot? Um, and if he doesn't, does this concern you with his scoring? Since he seems to be scoring like a yo-yo at the minute. Um, he's, I think he's strung pretty much three good games in a row. I saw on Twitter somewhere that he's increased his CBAs to 73%, so he's basically playing that full-time mid-role, um, which I personally think he should be playing there. I don't know. I understand he's a pretty good forward, but um, I can see why... Uh, the Swans brought him back in just to provide a bit of grunt um, alongside Heaney and the sort. They have the combinations. They, they usually like to put the young kids in, but it seems like they like putting Parker back in. Um, obviously, there is a bit of concern that when he plays forward, he's a bit volatile with his scoring. Um, he's prone to the odd 50. Um, and just sometimes he's the type of guy that goes either really well or, or really bad. Um, but he's shown in the last three to four weeks he's he's getting a very consistent scoring 
pattern happening, which is nice. And obviously, 150 off 33 disposals is nothing to be shamed upon. Um, it gets a pretty tough outfit in Brisbane. But he's someone that I'm pretty keen on bringing in this week, and, and I'm not breaking the bank to do so or having to to move on someone higher up. Obviously, I don't have Brody, so I'm moving on someone like a Jack Hayes um, up to up to Parker. Um, so, good yeah, hopefully, hopefully uh, he, he maintains his good scoring. And, yeah, I, he's, he's a contested animal. So, uh, he, yeah, he's not going to um, cost you too much with his, if he's, you know, uncontested stuff. He pretty much scores through his contested possessions, which is obviously quite effective in Supercoach compared to, you know, someone that just gets a lot of disposals and doesn't do much with it. Yeah, I think that's probably fair enough as well. Um, So... Um, I'm going to go to you for this one, Jonas. Obviously, we're both Collingwood supporters. Um, do you think Darcy Cameron can be a good value pick um, at his price, um, or is this just a no-man's land trade? I certainly think he provides value, and he will rise in money, but I don't think you trade him in with the objective of him being a keeper. He'd more be a stepping stone. And sort of like a a player who can score 90 to 100 for you, hopefully, for the next few weeks. Um, and you sort of hope you can effectively trade him to Gorn sooner rather than later, assuming he gets ruck forward status as well. That could be handy. Um, I think he was played a lot of ruck time at Sydney, so he's certainly got the knowledge and the nous to be able to play. And he goes forward as well and kicks a few goals. But I think it's a bit of a tough one because you're effectively relying on him making enough money to then warrant trading out again because I don't see him being as a season-long keeper. Um, and in that sense, I'm not too sure what to think of him. I don't think he'll make 150k probably be more in the range of 80 to 120. And if you're happy with that in the sense that you're getting, say, a Roses off the field and replacing him with probably a player who's going to average at least 25 to 30 points higher in the short term, I think that's a good player. But if your forward line's pretty good and you've got, say, Nick Martin at F6 and that sort of case, I wouldn't look at um, trading in Cameron. I'll just yeah. get, get down to a rookie and bank the money. Yeah, and I think uh, the other thing too, I think it's supposed to be pouring with rain tomorrow and Saturday morning in, in Melbourne. Um, so that might impact his scoring, given that he's a taller player. There might not be as many marks um, for him, but then there might be more stoppages. So, yeah. Um, who knows? Just one other thing here. So, um. Cameron and Beg, what do you think of the ruck combo for Collingwood? And is this something that maybe they can look at going forward as a bit of a um, thing while Grundy's still out? Well, what do you make of the combo? Did you catch the game, Tom? Uh, no, I saw a bit of it. Um, Beg looked pretty handy around the ground, definitely. He surprised me a little bit. Didn't look out of shape. Um, but I want to get your opinion, obviously, being a Collingwood supporter. But um, with Cameron, is he too reliant on goals 
coming out of the forward 50, or do you think that he's going to score naturally pretty well in, in tandem with Big? Um, because they seem to uh, complement each other pretty well. But what are your thoughts on, obviously, Cameron, he has known to get these high scores when he when he scores on the when he puts scores on the board. But um, do you reckon he can still pretty much score as a as a ruck rather than a ruck forward? That's a good question. Um, I think he's more reliant on the goals. If he's playing purely ruck, I don't see him going over eighty five because he's not one who would cover the ground too well. Having a look at his heat map. Now, I know that Beg played 55% game time, so that's sort of good for Cameron in the sense that he should be shouldering, shouldering the rock load. But having a look at his heat map, yeah, it was primarily centred in the um, middle and then the occasional stint up forward. So what that sort of tells me, I didn't get to catch much of the game, is that he sort of rests up forward and provides like a bailout option and can kick the goal or two which is pretty handy for boosting scoring. But I think moving into the future, it's a hard one to get a read on. I think he should be playing a bit more rock time because if Cox comes back in the team, for instance, I don't see him playing much rock because he has no real speed or anything. He'd be more primarily centred off forward. So I think Cameron can score half well, purely rock. But he's probably reliant on kicking a goal or two whilst he's resting up forward to boost his score over 100. Yep, um, I would probably go along with all of that. Um, I think he, just to butt in, I think he probably needs a couple of goals, as um, Jonas said, to sort of get a score half decent. Um, Unless it's a wet day. And if it's a wet day, obviously wet days, they are more prone to being a bit more congested. Um, and contested base, so uh, there might be a few more stoppages, which means there might be a few more chances to get some hit-outs for Cameron. Um, but, yeah, I think he's someone who's probably going to need a couple of goals to sort of go from, say, 50, which is probably not a good game, um, up to a 70. So, um, yeah, so um, what about your thoughts, Thomas, on uh, Todd Goldstein? Um, this this guy just doesn't seem to age ever. Um, back to 125, which is back to old day Goldie from 20 like 15 and 16. Um, 414 with a break even of 48. What do you think about this option, Thomas? Um, yeah, sorry, I, I was cut. I was cutting my so I was cutting out, so I didn't hear what you guys said beforehand. But I'm assuming it was all fine. Um, yeah, Goldie. Pretty much past his heyday um, from Definitely. what he was able to score in Supercoach. I remember it would have been two or three, four years ago, I picked him ahead of Gorn, um, and he basically shot me up the rankings very quickly uh, with the way he was scoring. I remember that played St Kilda one time in Tasmania. It would have been at least three yeah, three years ago, and he scored almost 200. So um, I think we've passed prime Goldie, unfortunately. Having said that, he, he showed he's capable still playing primary ruck with um, no sherry. Uh, but unfortunately, as this question is asking, is Goldstein a value pick? I don't think so, unfortunately. Um, 440k, even though it's 200k cheaper than um, 
200k cheaper than the, the other rucks pretty much or about 150k cheaper you don't really want to get in a, a goldstein and then have to trade him pretty much three to four weeks later when sherry comes in because we've seen that he doesn't score well with sherry in the side he plays predominantly a lot more forward which north seemed to like a lot more um goldstein i think just still does pretty well in the ruck however as i've mentioned there um didn't play against Pitney in again in the um in the Carlton game played against DeConning and, and obviously Goldie being the more mature age player is going to dominate in the ruck against uh, a Pitney less um Carlton and yeah you'd expect a lot more than 125 if you were going to consider him as a value pick I think if you wanted a value pick I'd almost um do the old you know, almost put a, a Proust and a, and a Hayes as your R1, R2, and even a Stranatica from from Fremantle or even a Beg, just really go value in your rookies and play it like that rather than playing a 4-14K ruck who may score well for the next couple of weeks and then when Sherry comes back eventually, um, you don't really know what you get from Goldie. It's not one that I'd put the risk on. If you're going to put the risk into a into a into a kind of mid price, a 300 to 400k price, I, I definitely put it with Cameron um, in the forward line than a than a gold scene. Just because if you compare the two, right, you've got Cameron three three 330k, who arguably based on his scoring against Wits can match it with the 500k primos, where you're probably going to lose on average, even as high as 10 to 15 points um, if you put Goldie as R2 compared to a Proust and a Gorn combination, you lose out on one of those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. I mean, I think Braden Proust is a better option and he's, you know, 150k higher than what his starting price was. And I still think I'd rather put Proust in ahead of... Um, ahead of... Um, uh, Goldstein at that price. So, um, yeah, so so obviously, as I said, a lot of these questions are about Greg Clark. Um, so we'll just ignore that bit. Um, so right, we're going to base this off if Greg Clark was playing. I know that's going to be hard to do um, logically, but given what's happened, um, we'll just have to go along with it. Um, so what would you guys do? I might throw this one to you, um, Jonas, to start off with. Um, what about O'Driscoll and Rochelle to Dylan Moore and Greg Clark? Now, I actually got rid of Rochelle last week, um, which I wasn't too disappointed with. Um, but what about Dylan Moore? Well, what do you think about him, Jonas, as a top six sort of forward? Um, I don't think he's top six, but certainly showed on the weekend that he – with that role, he can pump out some good scores. I just think you, it's just better to go with a more established player who's bigger bodied and in a better team, i.e. Parker or Isaac Haney or the like, because I think Hawthorne could slide towards the end of the year and that could lead to a fall in Moore's um scoring and I think as a small forward who pushes up onto the wing I have my doubts on him being able to maintain this scoring in the long term he has no history of doing it and in the past he's been pretty uh reliant on kicking goals so he's one that should probably maintain this form for 
the short future, but I don't see him ending up as a top six forward come year end when you got options like Dunkley, you got options like Parker and potentially Butters if he comes good, Heaney and anyone who might get DPP in the future, potentially Bond and Pally. So I think he's competing against some stiff opposition, Tim English as well. So I see him closer to the top 15 range. And yeah. at 500k, I wouldn't be getting that. Yeah, I think it's a... I mean, he's definitely showing at this stage he's a top 6-4, but it's just a risk of that 500k mark. Uh, but what about O'Driscoll here, Thomas? So, break in at 77, um, but he plays North Melbourne this week. So, is this enough of a reason to keep him, um, given the fact he's playing North Melbourne and he could go gangbusters? Um, yeah, I'm definitely keeping him. I mean, obviously the news that Hewitt's not playing this week um, isn't ideal, and and it probably means um, DeConning is forced to be played again. Yeah, do you know if McCartan's back or not? Yeah, McCartan is up Paddy. Yeah, he's been. Yeah, so that means I'm basically forced to to play Paddy, uh, DeConning, and O'Driscoll, which I don't hate. Um, but yeah, O'Driscoll is you'd probably have to be doing quite well with your team to be trading him out. Um, obviously, had poor two games in a row um, and just doesn't didn't get much of the ball down back. He has actually looked pretty good um, when he's got ball in hand. Sometimes his def, uh, disposal has been pretty shit, unfortunately, just rush decisions and things like that. Um, but, yeah, it is what it is, and I think – you're just going to have to keep most most teams I think are going to be have to be forced to keep him in even though he's got a break even of 77 and I think we're lucky in the fact same same deal with me and Jared Berry for example they play West Coast and um, hmm. I haven't checked the team so hopefully he hasn't been rested or anything but um, no he hasn't he's, he's named I mean it's one of those games teams haven't come out for that game hey teams oh no they haven't yeah because it's a Sunday game no they haven't no, because West Coast have COVID out. So oh, yes, that's right. No, yes, they'll as come as, out later on. As long on. as he's named, um, he's one of those, it's the same as a Driscoll. They're playing North Melbourne. They've had, obviously, a pretty horrific season. Um, you know, you may as well keep him in and hope that that they're going to that they're gonna produce a, a 100 just because of the opposition. I don't think they're going to drop lower than a, a really shit score. Driscoll's the type of player that could really thrive under... A pretty uncontested footy for Frio if they if they don't get too beaten up with COVID over the next 24 hours and they, they field a decent side which which they probably should and they beat North Melbourne comfortably so I think tad on hey that. yeah it's good to look at the break even for this week but if you consider O'Driscoll um with his break even it will take into account his last three games and after this game his break even won't factor. The 42 he scored against Carlton a few weeks back, which means if he scores a 71 against North Melbourne, which is quite possible, his break even goes back down to 47, and he can make another yeah, there you thousand. Go. So, I think looking at it like that um, is quite important when you're looking at cash generation and stuff like that, because whilst he may drop a bit in price this week, say 5,000. You should be able to make that back and some the week following, given the fact that the 42 will be out of his system. Yep, I would probably go along with that too. And, uh, yeah, just 
to recap, so yes, so the sides for Brisbane and West Coast um, have yet to be named. Um, but even then, I think um, we're probably going to talk about this later on. But I think if you've got Brisbane players, I would definitely be considering putting the captaincy on them. Um, but anyway. Well, um, just quickly on O'Driscoll. He looks like he's playing a game of school footy in a Frio outfit, doesn't it? Yeah, it does there. It looks like he's... Yeah, it does there, actually. Um, right. So, um, moving on. So, um, we've already spoken about O'Driscoll. Um, and Jack Hayes is obviously out injured. Um, we've spoken about Greg Clark. Um, but what about Tom Stewart? Um, I know off-camera, Jonas, you were talking about getting him in. Um, so... Um, I'm going to ask you why. So 607,000. Um, he obviously scored, went gangbusters last week, scored 187. Um, can we expect these scores more consistently? And are you concerned with paying 607,000 for a defender? What, what do you think, Jonas? With his new role, I think he can maintain his average, which is around 120 at the moment. Yeah, 120.5. I don't see why not. They're, they're giving him the ball at will. And unlike Doherty, he has literally no one else to compete with for the ball. You see Doherty, he's got Saad, Williams, etc. to compete with. At at, at um, Geelong, there's pretty much no one else who's the designated kicker out of defence. You can maybe pose an argument for Blitzas or um, Tui, but they're not too prominent in terms of distributing the ball out of um, Geelong's 50. But with Stewart, the reason I like him is he's got a great buy. I don't really see him falling below 600 for the next month. He's pretty durable apart from that foot thing, which he seems to be over. And with his new sort of role pushing up the ground, he, I mean, he, he had 40 touches on the weekend. You can label him as a defender, but effectively he was – playing as a second midfielder in, in in essence. So I think it's one where I'm not too concerned about paying 607K, given he started at 570 anyway, and I expect him to maintain at least an average of 110, far exceeding Doherty and Sinclair and the others. And I think he should, if he stays in the park, which I don't don't think, I don't know why he wouldn't, he should be a clear M, um, D1 or D2. Yep. Well, are you the same, Thomas, or have you got some question marks about him at 600k? I don't. Personally, I, I wouldn't like paying 600k for Stewart. Um, having said that, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on a tear of the next five games, 130 plus, and you're just forced to pay more for him. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't think we're going to see 187 too often from him. Obviously, 40 disposals is a bit ridiculous, and I think teams might actually, or hopefully for my sake at least, will start putting a bit of work into him um, if they can to stop his curb, especially when he pushes up to that wing. I think the Frio game is a classic example about how prevalent he is. I don't know why teams don't put a bit more work into him. I don't know if they, if you can put work into him. But as soon as a, a dicey small forward like a Charlie Cameron put, pops up to, onto him, he really struggles and, and doesn't score too well. It's been proven before where he has to play one-on-one more often and he just doesn't score well super coach-wise. Um, probably if you have the option, I, I just think 600K is a bit too much for Stewart. Like I know that he's probably going to end up in the 
comfortably in the top three defenders. Um, but I think we can get him get him even 30, 40 K cheaper. Um he's one of those Even a seventy over sixty nine Six, sixty nine. So don't, don't see him dropping in price anytime soon. No, yeah, I'm I'm always saying that um, I'm saying that he might get a you know, just naturally get a poorer game and, and hit like he hit his max and then it'll, it'll progressively go down a bit. Um I can't see yeah, just just based off his his previous scoring, the first four rounds he wasn't actually doing too great at his price. It was pretty much just scoring over the ton for for consecutive games. Like obviously, you know, consistent he is, um, but whether or not he can consistently get one twenties and one thirties is yet to be seen. And and yeah, I'd I'd rather you know, if worse comes to worse, you're forced to pay maybe thirty forty k more. And it's you call it a day, and, and and you and you missed your chance at 600k. But I think um, I've seen people boost into Stewart. Like I wouldn't be doing that because I just feel that you're paying towards his peak rather than a lower under his price. And I'm sure every year you get Tom Stewart at a lower price, and I can't see him get 130, 130, 130, especially when you get um, Geelong having to play much more contested footy, and and there's a lot more forwards to deal with, like Frio. The reason why they scored so heavily wasn't necessarily because of their dom- you know, dominant forward line. They were missing a few players from that forward line, particularly Tabner and the sorts. They basically had Lobb as a focal point, and that was it. They were scoring through their midfield quite heavily as well um, and just getting the ball in fast. And I don't think Stewart had much to do. Um, yeah. Just Yeah, you just have to wait until he might get a game where he has to be more... Uh, more aware of, of defending one-on-one and we could see a, a drop-off in his score a little bit for sure. So would you, let's assume buys are quite relevant here in terms of the round 12 buy with Hewitt, Doherty, Short, Ridley, Whitfield, if you have him, all these players having the buy and you're yeah. looking for a, for a vendor who fits the bill in terms of having a better buy, would you rather be getting in, say, a, a Bailey Dale or someone like that who has a, has the same buy, obviously not as good scoring, but that seventy thousand that you save could help with upgrades in the future. Do you think that's the line you'd be thinking, even though he's speculative top six? Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, you'd yeah, it's one of those things. If well, I don't know. I think it's if if you think that they're between top six to ten, I'd rather save the seventy k and put it elsewhere. Um, you know, when you're paying over 600k for players, I'd rather save that purely for the midfield. I think when you're starting to pay over 600k for defenders and and um and forwards at the like, you're probably not going to get the differential scoring that you need to make it justifiable. Like obviously, you know, if, if Stewart comes out pops out 140s consecutively, then you'd be saying, well, you're losing 20 points there, but. I know he scored a crazy 187, but if you look at Jaden Short, like he scored 152 and is still priced at 530 because of his low score. So all he needs is one shit score, um, and it really rejigs his price down um, for Stewart. So, you know, on a regular day, you're comparing Stewart's as 104s, 105s with, say, a, you know, a Jack Crisp. Obviously, he's a bit more expensive, but yeah, even the likes of Bailey Dale, who are producing 113, 120, you're not losing out on much. And I think the 70K or whatever, um, that if you're getting a defender this week, you know, um, you could use pretty effectively elsewhere. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just glad I don't have to worry about getting Stuart because yeah. I've already got him. So, um, yeah, lucky yeah I guess this is a... I'm just sitting out this one. Um, but someone who I am getting um, is Jaden Short. And um, I've actually bought him in this week. Um, I think he's a must-have option down back this week. Um, 532,000, break even of 46. So he's going to probably go up again. Um, I know you two both have him. Um, do you think that's a pretty sensible move if you haven't got him? Yeah, a very obvious move, I think. 532s, realistically, you're only paying about 10k more than he started with. Um, oh, yeah, we're actually paying 2k less. He's started oh, off at 535, he's oh, 532. Yeah. cheaper than you started with him, which is a bit ridiculous. <laughs> so he just pumped out a 150. Um, yeah, it is. I was a little bit concerned, to be fair, when he started in the midfield, and I was like, shit, how's this going to affect his scoring? But then he just dominated. Um, he went gangbusters. He pretty much plays – he played that crisp-esque role in the mids where he was almost like that quarterback, got it out, but the midfield was fed it out to him. He just kicked it. But obviously I played West Coast, so you're probably going to add about 20, 30 points to his score anyway. But he just demanded the ball, and every time he got the ball, he just bombed it in, inside 50. I think with him, you just guaranteed scores because, you know, his turnover kicks are pretty much just turnovers inside the 50 anyway, so he's barely going to get you any clangers. He's just so affected by foot. Um, and, you know, who knows if they decide to keep him in the mids, it just gets even more a consistent score. And I think the reason half the time he gets lapses of scores where he, where he scores well in chunks and, and goes quiet and others, it's just he doesn't get his hands on the ball, gets stuck on the bench. The ball doesn't come in the D50 enough. But if he plays around the ball like he did against West Coast, whether or not this will be the, the story going forward with Dusty coming back in the like, um, if Damien Hardwick likes him in there, I think he's just still going to score because they like the balls in his hands. And then midfield, they can just give it to him even quicker. So, yeah, it's a no-brainer, I think, if you don't have him. Um, even though he's highly owned by the competition, you'd want to have him at that price. Um, as I said, it's a, this is a scenario where you're pretty much saving 70K compared to a Tom Stewart and getting a similar scoring output. Yeah, yep. that's exactly why I'm getting him. I think he'd probably be the one I'm missing other than George Hewitt, which is um, well documented. What about going early on Jack Carroll, um, Jones? So 123K midfielder, um, 95, scored 95. I'm not sure how much we can factor that in because I did play North Melbourne. Um, what do you think about trading in Carroll a week early before his price goes um, up? I think you want to be trading in the rookies that you like the look of. I traded in Roses, even with the calf issue, because I preferred how he had played over, say, a Ben Hobson and a Perez. And I traded in Greg Clark off no games because I knew how um, how good he'd been at the lower levels previously and I think I'm going to trade in Carroll over McComb just because of how impressed I was with how Carroll had played last week and I think with Hewitt out he should have that midfield role stitched up and that sort of shows that if he plays one more good game and he lines up that he should be um a trading target anyway next week and I think for 123k as a midfielder, that's something I'm going to look at, particularly because McComb scored 63, I want to say. Yeah. 37. 63. Yeah, 37 the week before, 
and I think he's playing in a good role, yeah. role I want to say, but his job security is pretty shaky. He's not the best user by foot, and he scored two goals and still couldn't manage to score over 70. So I think his role's a bit sketchy, and people enjoy making comparisons between Scott and McNeil, but to put it simply, it's a different year. It's a different player. Have a look at the output and have a look at his efficiency and if you think he can actually maintain his spot on the team to then warrant picking him up. And I, I don't I don't see him being able to last too long. Yes, he's on the bubble, but I think Carroll's going to play next week and start making money. And I'd rather just get him in now because I think he'll outscore um, McComb pretty comfortably. Yeah, I mean, this is a conundrum that I'm actually facing this week. Is that same one? Is do I go McComb or do I go with Jack Carroll a week earlier? Um, I think I'm not you, sure. Yeah, I think if you don't have Greg Clark, I think the logical option is to go McComb this week, Carroll next week, Clark the week after, um, because you can afford to wait. But if you have Clark in this situation, um, yeah, even if you have Clark in this situation, I think you could you could wait either way. I think because, as I said last week um, in a previous podcast, it seemed like um, Carol was playing in Hewitt's role, um, and I think regardless if. He ends up on a bench next week and and doesn't have a featurely. I think he's still going to score pretty well against Adelaide without a Hewitt in the side, which obviously means similar to Rosas, you know, you, you kind of want to get him in. Um, but I'm at the moment, I'm leading. Is Dacos named in the side for Collins? Yes. Yeah. yeah at the moment. Because if if he was a late, if he wasn't playing or wasn't named, I'd be more inclined to. For my team personally, I'd, I'd more, be more inclined to get Carroll on on and potentially play him on field or, or try and loop him on field. But the fact that Dacos is named and, and Hawthorne are playing Essen, for example, um, I'm more inclined to get a McComb in this week, get Carroll next week, get Clark the week after. I think that would work um, off the top of my head. So, yeah, it's all, you can go one, one of two ways, but I just think that the news with Greg Clark we getting COVID almost is a blessing in disguise, but you don't have to risk. As Nathan says every week, you don't want to put bring rookies in early, that sort of stuff. Um, you just have to go look at Ben Hobbs, for example, where he scored 65 the first week. He was touted as, as a must-have rookie that potentially people were struggling to get in, and, he, and then he scores like an 8 and a 16 and, and just looks absolutely terrible there on in. You just don't know with these rookies, and I think having McComb... He's a mature age player. He's been given the opportunities. He doesn't necessarily score well. He might. I think the dogs hopefully just give him a few more games and he's able to bubble along and then he can move him on. I think, yeah, it's one of those things where it just is very team dependent and what you need to be on field. If you're forced to put him a comb and, and say a, a Connor McDonald on field and you have to loot the two, then I'd maybe warrant going early on Carroll. But if you can afford to put different players on instead and just chuck it on the bench. I think if it's purely a bench option, 
I'll just get the rookie that presents to you next. Um, you also save another 20k in comparison to to McComb as well, because McComb's a, a basement rookie price. Yeah, well, that's the other thing with McComb too. Is even if he doesn't get named, he's at the 102k mark. So it's not like you're paying 123 for Jack Carroll and then he plays his three games and doesn't get named again. Like you feel like that's a bit of a waste. But with McComb, because he's at that 102k mark, um, he can be a good loophole option going forward. I don't think the dogs are going to get many Friday night games unless they start improving. Yeah. Um. So just finally, so just some vice captain and captain options for round eight. Um. Do you guys like any of these? I'll just start off. I think Lockie Neal is. I if I had my way, I would say Lockie Neal is almost certain to get a double century this week. But then again, it could be a flogging, and normally the scores don't um do well in when the margin's wider. Um, so uh, I think Lockie Neal's probably the safe one. Um, but just for me, um, I'd gone Dunkley as a vice captain and Lockie Neal as the captain this week. Um, I'll throw to you guys now. Um, Jonas, who have you gone with? I will probably go... Ideally, I wanted to go Parish, but he plays at the same time as Neil. So I think I'm just going to go either BC short into Neil or Neil into Oliver. Fair enough. And Actually, I'm Neil into uh, Paddy Cripps. Oh, okay, yep, yeah, fair enough. And what about you, Thomas? What are you planning on doing? Um, I think... Ideally, I'd want to VC a Neil into someone. I know that everyone is saying, you know, it, it's the most obvious thing in the world that Neil will get 200 um, or whatever and just score absolutely bonkers. But, I just, you know, um, when you're playing a, essentially not even a waffle side at this point, you're playing not even 21 players on field, it could be a case where they just share the ball that many times that everyone's going to score 100 and it just spreads a load out, um, whereas you, they don't need or rely on a dominant midfielder like a Neil to, to to carry them over the line. That's why I'm keeping Barry. I'm hoping Barry can have a big one instead. Um, yeah, Neil ideally would be a VC. Um, otherwise, it'll probably be a short into Neil. If I'm forced to, or, or it's impossible for me to bring in a non-playing player and, and, and loophole, what have you, um, maybe Dunkley into Neil. I could see Dunkley doing quite well in the contested footy against Port. Um, but yeah, ideally I'd I'd want a Neil into an Oliver. I think I believe I'm hoping for St Kilda's sake they can snatch a win against Melbourne. But I wouldn't be surprised if one of Oliver and Prochaka go nuts. And yeah, get like forty disposals, and I would wouldn't be surprised if we try to clamp down on Petrarca a little bit. Um, if anything, and Oliver goes gangbusters. So yeah, that's how. Well, we, I'm actually going to tip the Kilda this week. So there you go. Yeah, well, fuck. Um, hopefully, we don't bottle it. We bottled against Port, so I don't know. We we traditionally match up well against Melbourne, so we'll see how we go. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Um. Hopefully, everyone 
Uh, it adds a half a decent week this week. Um, could be another rough week considering Hewitt's not back in the like. But yeah. I don't know what you're talking about with being rough with Hewitt. Yeah, hopefully you can um, salvage another good squad. Wouldn't be surprised if we get another huge round um, based off off pre off last week. And yeah, we'll uh, keep you guys updated throughout the weekend. Um, hopefully be a bit more active on Twitter as well. Um, now that I'm personally off a bit bit of work. And then we'll uh, bounce back into next week and hopefully get the round review up um, early next week. But until then, uh, good luck over the weekend and we'll catch you early next week.